0: It's Philosophy Talk. So, Kant would argue that in a truly moral world, there's absolutely no room for lying.
1: Is Manuel Kant still a useful guide for how to act in everyday life?
0: Even the, the smallest lie destroys his precious categorical imperative. What's the deal with the categorical imperative? Kant said human reason is troubled by questions that it cannot dismiss, but also cannot answer. Okay, so what are we talking about here? Morality, choice, the randomness of life, aesthetics, murder.
1: How is it that you can think that human beings are such a mess and yet think that we're capable of so much more?
0: Our guest is Karen Store, author of Choosing Freedom, A Kantian Guide to Life. What would Kant do?
1: Try as best we can to see others as worthy of respect and love. Coming up on Philosophy Talk.
0: Can you reason your way into being a good person? Or are your feelings a better guide for doing the right thing? Should morality be the same for everybody? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area, continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the philosophy and its true initiative.
1: Today, we're asking, what would Kant do?
0: I'm so excited about this show, Ray. Immanuel Kant is so fascinating. He was a German enlightenment philosopher, wrote all those cool things about aesthetics, metaphysics, epistemology, ethics.
1: Yeah, he was really big on reason, right? He thought the whole basis for morality was reason. Yeah, so do you think that's true? I mean, whatever happened to feelings, like empathy? Well, I mean, Kant accepted that feelings are important too. You're supposed to cultivate cheerfulness, and you you shouldn't laugh at people in a mean-spirited way. But our emotions can lead us astray, and he thought we need reason to be an arbiter.
0: Okay, but can't your reason sometimes get it wrong and your emotions get it right? Think about, like, Huckleberry Finn, right? Huck Huck has a friend, Jim, who's a runaway slave, and Huck's brain tells him, "Uh, gee, I'm supposed to turn him into the authorities, but his heart says no. Don't you think his heart is right? Of course his heart is right, but his brain has made a mistake. If he actually
1: listened to reason he'd understand that it's always wrong to use another person as a means to an end but slavery is a system that uses people it just treats them like objects that sounds like kant yeah that's his categorical imperative you should never use another person as a means to an end
0: okay that sounds good but 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 never i mean what about when i go to the bank to open an account I'm not really there to have like a long conversation with a teller about how their day went and their kids and stuff like that. That, that relationship is purely transactional. They don't want to hear about my life either, right? I mean, so, so I don't know. Does Kant's rule always hold? Well, he doesn't think
1: it's always wrong to benefit from a transaction. You just have to also recognize that the other person is a human being who matters. So you can't be rude to them. And going back to your example from Huckleberry Finn, it's definitely wrong to enslave people.
0: Yeah, too bad Kant didn't get his own memo on that.
1: Yeah, for most of his life, he didn't actually think there was anything wrong with slavery, and he also said some really appallingly racist things. But if he'd just applied his own theory, he would have seen that slavery is wrong.
0: But if he couldn't even apply his own theory, how can we expect anyone else to? I think this is a real problem for Kant's idea that we can like, you know, reason our way into being good people. That's a, that's a really nice ideal, but is anyone ever gonna live up to it? Human beings are just too irrational. Ooh, we're never gonna be perfect at
1: it, but if you work on yourself, you'll get better. The more you practice overcoming your irrational impulses, the closer you'll get to being the kind of person you should be.
0: That's the path to true freedom. Freedom? Where did that come from? You just told me that Kant thinks I have to obey a bunch of rules. Never do this, always do that.
1: Oh yeah, people think that moral rules are constraining and like you'd have more freedom if you just did what you want. But that's not true. All that happens then is that you're driven around by your emotions. You just reach for other people's plates whenever you're hungry and yell at them whenever you're mad. that make you less free, not more free.
0: I'm not, I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about acting on a whim. I'm talking about living my own life. What if I have values that guide my actions and that I'm very happy with, but they just don't happen to be the same as yours? Why, why should it be a one size fits all? Well, Kant accepts that people can be different to an extent, but there
1: are some fundamental principles we should all agree on. You know, no murdering, no stealing. No lying? No mixing stripes and plaids?
0: <laughs> OK, I, I agree about stripes and plaids and about murder. But I still think there are a lot of interesting questions about individual values versus universal rules.
1: And our guest will help us answer them. It's Karen Storr, author of Choosing Freedom, A Kantian Guide to Life.
0: Speaking of a guide to life, what would Kant say about today's political situation? We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Sarah Lai-Sterland, to find out. She files this report.
2: Immanuel Kant is famous for his focus on reason and ethics. So I was intrigued recently when I learned that a group of Kant scholars faced a unique ethical problem. It all started when Russia invaded Ukraine.
0: It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine as the sun came up this morning.
2: The Kant scholars had planned to celebrate his 300th birthday in 2024 in what is now known as Kaliningrad, Russia. That's where Kant was born. The scholars organizing the event are part of the Kant Gesellschaft. That's the original Kant Society that was founded in Germany to spread the Enlightenment philosophers' ideas.
1: Everything was fine so far, and then uh, the war started.
2: Dietmar Heidemann is its primary chairman.
1: I got emails in from all major Khan societies worldwide, asking us what was going to happen, and then after a few days, actually asking us to really revoke the decision.
2: And to move the conference out of Russia because of the regime's aggressions against Ukraine and its citizens. But Heidemann got other emails that said that they should keep it there.
1: I received these emails from Russia too, yeah, so do not revoke just one or two weeks and then things are settled.
2: Some Kant scholars wanted to wait and see if the conference could be salvaged. They're worried that pulling out would further isolate their Russian peers, who are already in danger of blowback from their government. The Kant-Gesellschaft dilemma is one we all face in our globalized society, Should we isolate Russia because of the actions of its authoritarian regime, or should we engage with its citizens? It's one thing to boycott products, but should academics who work in the realm of ideas sever ties to Russian universities as well?
0: I mean, the vision was to be doing something kind of good.
2: Andrew Shignell is head of the North American Kant Society.
0: I had this kind of missiological feel to it, where like we should go into places that are intolerant in certain ways and try to speak our minds freely, as long as we're allowed to.
2: To be clear, all of the Kant scholars I talked to for this story are against the war. But other philosophers worry that the Russian government would use the event to promote the idea that the scholars support its quote-unquote special operation. After all, the government did force the rector of Kaliningrad University to sign a statement supporting the war.
0: I think Kant would have found that very problematic. He would have a really hard time signing a statement saying something that he absolutely didn't believe in. I mean, it's akin to lying in some ways. And Kant is, of course, a very famous opponent of lying under all circumstances.
2: On March 15th, the North American Kant Society finally issued a statement. It called on the Gesellschaft to relocate the conference, saying that Russia's unprovoked attack violated international law. 11 days later, the board of the Kant Gesellschaft voted to move the conference to Bonn, back in Germany. It condemned Putin's regime and its actions. At the same time, it declared support for Ukrainians, as well as Russian scholars who opposed the war. Vadim Chaly, a professor at the Immanuel Kant Baltic Federal University in Kaliningrad, has spent the past three years setting up the conference. He was disappointed by the Gesellschaft's decision.
3: Obviously, a lot of our efforts were made redundant, and that could mean that Kant's scholarship might become redundant.
2: He worries that the events leading up to the conference are symptoms of a more sinister development.
3: I would not place the blame on, on the, those who made the decision to move the Congress, because it's a more general process that is uh, unfolding and I think it's um, general anti-modern attitude that is uh, prevailing uh, nowadays in Russia and Kant is of course a modern philosopher
2: I asked him how it feels being in Kaliningrad right now
3: a bit claustrophobic we are a landlocked a piece of land that is uh, isolated and uh, surrounded by obviously not very friendly neighbors, not, not very friendly at the moment, and uh, the future is uncertain. I'm not so much worried about myself, but I have three kids, and I'm worried about their future.
2: Perhaps we can take a lesson from the Kant philosophers. We should talk and reason with individuals in Russia, even as we condemn the brutality carried out by their leaders. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Sarah Lye-Sterland.
0: Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.